0: this episode of the better Two podcast is brought to you by kitty mystic and dm needham author of my days with the dark muse as well as love is worth waiting for hi gang donna here thanks for tuning into the better Two podcast today's guest is vivi thai vivi she started out in the u.s as a foreign exchange student from vietnam and well, she went, came over here when she was in 11th grade, she got her GED and she was working on her GED and going to college at the same time, which I know sounds interesting all in itself. However, she got a visa after she got a job, she, got, she went from a student visa to getting a visa with her job. And then one day her job was gone and she had to get out of the country very quickly. So she tells us about this journey and how it was a life lesson she needed. So enjoy the show. Hi, Vivi, how are you doing today?
1: I'm very good, Hannah.
0: I'm doing good. Um, you're in Canada, and we've already noticed this. Guys, I'm going to say this. I'm going to preface this right ahead. We are having some issues technically with the call, and apparently she has these. She has some issues constantly with her internet. So we're going to make the best of it. So here we go. Anyway, so you live in Canada, as we say, but you didn't originally live there and you were, you went to school here in the United States, You, you you, but you immigrated to the United States to go to school. So tell us a little bit about your journey as an immigrant.
1: Yeah. So I was born and raised in Vietnam, um, at the 17, I won a scholarship, um, it was like a prize for an exchange student to go and study in the US. So that's how I started my journey, uh, living and studying in the US for 12 years actually before I to Canada. Um, so at first it was just like um, one year of exchange student. It's a high school, It was in 11th grade. And, um, but when I went study high school in the US, I didn't technically go to, never really graduated from high school, but I obtained my GED. Um, it's the general education degree mm-hmm. to get into college. Um, but I would have to do like a dual college where they allowed me to study high school. Uh, GED like I was able to do like GED at the same time with taking college courses and use those courses and claim the credit for two of life at university later on um, so I started in New Mexico that was probably one of the best years of my life it was fabulous amazing just just because it was everything different outside of Vietnam uh, you know, is I was like very curious about different culture and um, different places, and because I love traveling, I remember like at that age I went to the U.S. at 17, along by myself. I actually had a layover in Korea, and I took a bus to out so just to see Korea and I almost missed my flight to oh the no. US. <laughs> oh, no. I lost my package for two weeks. <laughs> but that's how excited, that's how excited I was. Um, just get out of Vietnam and explore the world and uh, see different kind of cultures and people. I wasn't very scared, uh, more like excited um, to be in the US. So fast forward 12 years um, from high school and to obtain my chemical engineering degree at Tech. Then later, I applied for a research assistant at MIT. Then I obtained my uh, master program medical engineering at Cornell University. Uh, After that, everything started to slowly falling apart. Uh, When I get my job at the one of the biggest hospital in the US at the time uh, in Boston because I didn't like the job and it wasn't anything related to my field uh, to my even though it was uh, about clinical engineering but it's more related to IT. It wasn't anything to do with medical. (laughs) Um, So I wasn't thrilled about it and it was a stressful environment in a hospital. If you don't know already how stressful to work at a hospital. It's so crazy and because it's a a gigantic hospital. Anyhow um, the job very well uh, and I ended up losing that job at the time I was on H-1B visa so at first I was a student I was on student visa but when you get a job then you have to switch to H-1B visa and what H-1B visa allows you to do is to only work for that employer uh, within the country if you lose a job or if you switch to a different your visa would be invalid, the new employer would have to apply the job for you, uh, to apply the visa for you again. So at time, it was 2014, 2013, 2014. um, There was a lot around H-1B visa. They restricted the quota, which means there's less number of the visas that are issued within the year. Only apply the visa in certain time of the year, so it was ridiculously ridiculously difficult to H one B visa. You would have to get very very high um, uh, quality profile on your res or uh, on your record. Like you really have to prove your status in order to get the H one B visa. And I was lucky to have one with that. So it wasn't really possible. It wasn't like easy for me to, to apply for another job and get a visa again. Um, it's, it was almost like a one time thing. <laughs> um, so, because you stay in the country, when, you're, uh, when you have the visa, when you lose your employment, you have to leave the country immediately. There wasn't any grace period. Um, there wasn't any law around it. So there wasn't anything of state you have to leave, but because your visa is invalid when you lose your employment, so you technically have to leave immediately. So it, it, it's, it's like a gray area that nobody really understands what to do. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of insane because
0: when... You, you have leases on an apartment. You may own a home. I mean, there, there's a lot yes. of different avenues that how do you all of a sudden, within a blink of an eye, have to up in your life and go, okay, I don't live here anymore. Where am I going to go?
1: Yeah. Yeah. After 12 years. So th- that's, that was the reason why I was stressed and depressed during that time. It was probably the lowest time of my life um, because uh, everything that I was built up to for and I lost everything in a moment. Um, and so it was very devastating. Uh, and I had to court, leave the country and went back home uh, to Vietnam and to face my biggest fear, is the fear, fear of failure, uh, seeing my family. Because in Asian culture, we it's like if you get to go, study you bring honor to your family um, but going home with nothing is it feels like you disappoint. Mm-hmm. you know because my mom actually have high expectation of me as well so it was at that time that I had a lot of questions about my life uh, whether everything that I had done everything that I have um, tried uh, the higher degrees, higher status, better job, very prestigious uh, position uh, in, in Boston. But all of that, when all of that crashed down and washed away, like, you know, the Castle of Sand, wash away uh, and being left with nothing. So I just asked myself, like, what's next? So what do I want to do from here now? Uh, now that I'm back home, it's like starting back from the beginning of blank place. So everything for twelve years for nothing, like all the time of studying um, and working in the U.S. Like all of that is doesn't have anything I've anymore now. So what do I want to do? Um. So at the time I came across the. The Alchemist. Uh, I don't know if you have heard or you have read about the book, The Alchemist from Paulo Coelho.
0: It's behind me somewhere on that bookshelf.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's, it's one of the best books, my favorite book of all time. Um, so when I read, it really reignited my passion for traveling. Because that's, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like I was a kid. Uh, going to the US, what I was most excited about is to uh, discover and explore and see new places in sea culture. But yes, I lost touch of that. Um, I lost touch of my passion. Um, and I, because I lost who I was uh, living that materialistic life, I, all I focus on which is gaining more status and getting uh, better precision to please everyone or the boss is just so I can stay in the US because if I didn't do that like I would lose everything and eventually I did Um, at that blank slate I didn't have anything to lose and I got to uh, re-imagine my passion for traveling and what I learned the big lesson that I learned from that book uh, to learn and understand and know your heart and let it guide you. Um, it was a very foreign concept for me at the time to listen to your heart because in my background, uh, I was very much familiar with the logical and analytical way of making you know, because my background is in ancient yeah. and <laughs> in yeah. Asian culture, we talk about logics all the time. Um, but to give it a try, because I I didn't have anything to lose. I was at the blank slate at that time and I was just very desperate fight myself again. because um, I didn't have I, I didn't understand the meaning of my life. Why did I have to be so miserable living? Is, yeah. uh, trying to find my freedom but the more I was trying to get to that freedom the more I felt restricted so it, it wasn't right something was not right the way that I was doing so I needed to try something new um, and that's how is when I was in Vietnam I decided to make the most of my visa package uh, I mean, my, my Vietnamese passport, even though I was not able to travel around the world, but I was able to travel with Asia. Um, so I decided just to follow that passion and just to uh, kind of tell my, uh, my, my vision of being a nomad. So I travel everywhere that I can Asia because in Vietnamese passport you can only travel to 48 countries. Yeah. <laughs> not like not, not not like in uh British passport, like you can go everywhere in the world. You can hop around without applying for visa. Um so it wasn't really the more that I traveled, the more I felt like I wanted to um to expand and I wanted to ex- more around the world. Um, but at the same time, I was also content, and I was, I felt the more I was traveling, the more I felt myself. That's why I decided to apply for immigration to Canada. Uh, and I, I didn't see that I could uh, obtain that vision in Vietnam. However, that time that I was. Back to Vietnam, it helped me to reconnect with my country that I disregard for over a decade because I was staying in the U.S. for so long and I kind of lost touch with my my culture. So that time going back, it helped me to find the beauty and learn to love Asia eventually did have one of the best times in my life, travel around Southeast Asia. And I it's, it was fascinating. It was one of the memorable times for me in traveling. Um that was in in Asia. And so I was like looking back now, just so very thankful for that opportunity to have and like to kick me out of the US just so I can to my roots and eventually find my freedom here in Canada.
0: So, why did you choose Canada? I mean, there's England, there's other places. Why did you choose Canada?
1: Well, it's, my friend recommended me. He was like, "Why don't you just apply for immigration to Canada?" Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> because he he has a friend that also applied uh, for immigration to uh, to Canada. I think it would just synchronize. Really, um, when that happened, and because Canadian culture and U.S. is very similar, it's not much different. It's, there's not going to be like shock for me again uh, to immigrate somewhere else. And the bad, the upside benefit of that is because uh, Canada values uh, workers, foreign workers in the U.S. They actually want these H-1B workers to come and. Uh, to come and immigrate to Canada because they lack of resources, human resources, um, you know. So it was, I was qualified. I, I was kind of doubting that. But when I checked out the immigration in Canada, I realized, oh, I was qualified. It was very easy for me to, uh, to be accepted a lot easier than other country, And so that's the reason why I'm here. Uh, even though immigration can take very long, up to several years, four or five years. But for me, it took only one and a half year uh, because everything they 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 was able to buy all my uh, education and working experience a lot faster than other countries. Uh, I also applied for New Zealand and all, but because education and working experience is not as relevant. You know, but in Canada it's like if you have working in the U.S., like within within North America, they they uh, they count it as a point. You know, they give you extra point. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot easier to immigrate to Canada for sure. And that's that's where it allows me to uh, start van life um, when I first immigrated to Canada uh, because I decided to try something else. I I, did, I wanted to have a different lifestyle because I wanted to find my life purpose. I wanted to find myself. And so when I was researching different lifestyles in Canada it's when life came across to me and I thought it's the perfect. I love traveling and this lifestyle afford me that. And because it, it cuts out living expenses, what well, depends on how much you travel, but if you stay localized, it's really cuts down your expenses. Then I don't have to work as much and the rest of the time um I'm able to use it to find uh to to follow my hobbies, my interests. And uh and I was hoping that along the way that would help me to find myself and my life purpose because when my uh, my life crashed out in the U.S. Like that's that was my biggest question. Like, was my existence like what I'm meant to do in this life? You know, um, because nothing was really fulfilling for me. Um, after four years, I think I have found that focus, and that's the reason why I'm here sharing my story and and write that in my book and. I, I'll be able to inspire others to find their freedom, and to um, be in touch with themselves and get to know, more and eventually get to um, to to shine that part of themselves and and contribute that authentic self to the world. Okay.
0: On that note, we're gonna take a break for a minute, and we'll be right back. And we're back. You had mentioned The uh, Alchemist. Have Mm -hmm. you read The Celestine Prophecy?
1: Um, The English Prophecy? No, I haven't read that.
0: Celestine.
1: Celestine?
0: Celestine. It's a lot Um, like The Alchemist.
1: No, I haven't read that. I've read several books from Paulo (laughs) Coelho.
0: Oh, this isn't from him. This is somebody else uh reddenfields his last name but it's an interesting book and it's a lot like the the alchemist i read that first and then the alchemist that's why i was asking so your book is called living through alchemy so Mm -hmm. did the alchemist and your travels and everything inspire this
1: (laughs) it's actually not but because I understand the spiritual alchemy, that's how I come to finally understand why the book was called The Alchemist and the journey of, uh, of Santiago that traveling from Spain to Egypt. Um, it's a very, if the book surface is like a traveling story. But if you really dig deep, deep, deep down into the alchemist book, um, there's a lot of wisdom, and uh, and a lot of teachings that comes from occultism, uh, from the mystery. And well, if you read the biography of Paulo Coelho, he's an occultist, occultism. Um, so I think that the the book may have been the influence from uh, has the spiritual influence from the uh, occultism. So, uh, the book did inspire me to travel. However, it wasn't what inspired me to write my own. Okay. What inspired me to write the book was um, the show called uh, On Gaia, that's called Mystery Teaching uh, from Teresa Bula, because she was the one that helped me to connect the dots of my life the patterns of my life. Um, only understand why I am on the alchemist journey and because the way she explained it in spiritual context using uh, tarot images and wisdom uh, to understand your own journey so if you the 22 major arcana of tarot I don't know if you're familiar with tarot cards. I
0: read I read
1: okay uh, the 22 major of tarot is uh, depicts a story of uh, a hero's journey. And
0: some some say it's a fool's journey. Some say it's a hero's journey. It depends on who you're talking yeah. to. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's the same, really, because the is it's basically the beginning mm-hmm. of uh, of everything of the. And so it's actually tied in very nicely with the concept of alchemy because the hero. Going through the cycle is actually the seven stages of alchemy. Um, so from zero from the card zero to the, the the prepping for the work, and from card A to card twenty two. Um, so the those are the alchemy that uh, that you going through, and that explained the reason why uh, what happened to me in the US. That pushed me out of the country to uh, push to get me on a different track, uh, to the and get me on the alchemical uh, journey. Because if that didn't happen, I wouldn't, uh, I I wouldn't be a van lifer, and I wouldn't have uh, the spiritual journey and eventually write um, so when I was writing my book um, my first idea was just to focus on my band life but I, through syn- synchronicity again that I stumbled upon that show somehow and it it's explains everything like I, I, I felt like I was actually traveling, traveling through those uh, major accounts um, and I was like, this this is the journey, and this is what people really need to know and what's it's like to uh it's to actually travel through the stages of alchemy. That, that that's the reason why I called the book Living Through Alchemy, because I think that it happens everyone because alchemy is uh, a natural process because it's not about change, it's all about transformation and transmission. Uh, And change is the only constant, right? Because the universe is always changing, always expanding. Just like the season is always so is we. And so this alchemical process uh, is a natural process that exists within us. And we are aware of it or not. It will always happen. But when we have the awareness of it and when we can actually utilize it, Manifestation to um, accelerate our own soul evolution instead of going against it and trying to cling back to our own way of living and our own paradigm. And that's the reason why I needed to leave the US to lifestyle because it's all about uh, uh, achieving material status. But now it's like I feel more aligned and more authentic um ever since i get on to that spiritual path and then life is is like a like a, a, a way a, a tool that actually helped me to carry through this uh, this journey this healing journey so quite interesting <laughs>
0: You know, you, you talk about the the U.S. being very materialistic. I mean, we were, we were raised to keep up with the Joneses, that you had to have status symbols. I mean, that is, and social media is very much a part of that now. Social media will tell you that you should have this, you know, this mascara. I mean, there's an actual display at a department store now that said, I've seen on TikTok.
1: This <laughs> mascara has been
0: seen on TikTok. And it's like... So now we're put now because it's gone viral on social media, now it's going to be touted. And it's, yeah. just, it's a weird phenomenon because you saw it on TikTok, you better have it. It's when I was a little girl, there was this thing called the pet rock. And I know this sounds crazy, but all it was was a rock with two little eyes glued on it in a box. And these things would sell for like five or six dollars. And they were selling like hotcakes, but there was nothing important about it. It was just that everybody wanted one. So everybody Mm -hmm. tried to get one. And that's the thing Mm -hmm. about America. We try to keep up with the Joneses. And if you don't keep up with the Joneses, then you're you're made to feel bad that you're not good enough and you're not deserving enough because you don't have everything that everybody else has.
1: That's unfortunate. For me... For me, the influence of both America and also Asia as well, because I wanted to please my family. I want to meet my mom' expectation. Asia is, I guess, almost like a tradition. I like I, I feel like every Asian family. Is like it's that. A,
0: but it, but it's the same here. It's the same here in this country because, you know, you are set up to believe that you. You know, you, you go to school. Your parents are like, well, where are the grades? I want good uh-huh. grades. You ask uh-huh. them something like, so what do you want for your birthday? Oh, I want good grades. Uh-huh. So your expect- their expectations have to be met. And then at a certain age, which I applaud you for, you have to come to the realization that I want my expectations to be met. Not anybody else's because if their expectations aren't making you happy, if what they want for you is not what you want, you're never going to find happiness and you're never going to be in a peaceful place.
1: You know, the reason, another reason that I was changing status is because the way that the politics is set up for uh, international worker as well. They said that you would have to have high degrees, uh, you would have to have uh, higher like, skill works, in order to obtain certain visa, and I was chasing the green card. So, in order to get the green card, you would have to have that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the more prestigious you are, the easier for you to obtain the green card. And the green card for me, it it was freedom, because I I wanted that freedom because I wanted to travel. So underneath it all. Um, I didn't. I didn't really want to, you know, achieve American dream like settled out in one place. Uh, so I, and because I didn't want to get kicked out of the country I to have my own independence, and I didn't have to be dependent on any employers. Uh, so that's the reason why I wanted that green card. I think that it would. Allow me to go and pursue my own dreams but of course that didn't happen because chasing it the more I was being restricted because I, I was afraid of losing my freedom.
0: Have you become a citizen in Canada now or are you still on a visa?
1: Uh, no I'm in the process of becoming a citizen now.
0: How does your family found, th- feel about you being a citizen of Canada?
1: They are thrilled about it. They didn't believe that I would make it to immigration to Canada, to be honest. Very worried. um, And they keep nudging me to get a job in Vietnam, in my field, uh, in engineering field. And I worked as a clinical research associate for uh, a very big uh, clinical research company from the U.S. But they have a branch in Vietnam, so I was working for them. But it was very heartbreaking to see that they, um, even though I obtained my degrees, my education in the U.S., but I was paid is Vietnamese, and so it was equivalent to like five dollars an hour.
0: <laughs> wow! I used to make that so, as a dish
1: jockey back in the nineties. <laughs> So I was I obviously I wasn't satisfied with that and I wasn't very happy with the job anyway. Uh, regardless, of the the job environment, the, the working environment, it was really great. My coworkers was awesome. They were very supportive and very helpful. It was a very positive uh, working environment, and not like in the hospital, even though it was stressful. But yeah, I didn't find that to be fair. How because I because my passport is Vietnamese so my um, my pay rate is a lot uh, even though it's the same companies uh, as in the U.S. and even if I if even if I have this degrees uh, Vietnamese passport but if I work in the U.S. then my salary rates would be of course a lot different so I wasn't I wasn't satisfied with that.
0: <laughs> but but I'm going to say this, being a U.S. citizen, I worked at a company. The president of the company was here in Chicago, but the home office was in Pennsylvania. And because the home office was in Pennsylvania, they felt the need that they could pay us what people in Pennsylvania made, where the cost of living was higher here in Chicago, but they that didn't matter. So they play oh. that game here in this country Even without a Vietnamese passport, they play that game (laughs) here across the board.
1: Well, even when I was in the U.S. as an H1B worker, uh, my salary rate is in general lower uh, than the standard rate because they kind of deduct the amount of uh, they have to pay for the H one B visa, which was, I think, at the time five thousand dollars, so they deduct that into your salary.
0: <laughs> wow!
1: So in general, we get paid actually lower, typical American.
0: But but th- what they'll tell you is, well, you should be happy. You you're in America. You have a job, and you yeah. ha- you know, so you should be happy. And that's that's the thing about I think after the pandemic. Employers can't just say, well, you should be happy you have a job because a lot of people are like, you know what, I'm done.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I had so many strings attached in the U.S. That's why it's like (laughs) it was hooking me everywhere. That's why I, you know, Um, and I feel like I have to please every single one uh, in order to make it work. And that was the reason why I didn't have any sense of, who I was uh, and when I got out of that I decided no I'm not going back to that life it was very miserable and I had a chronic back pain uh, because of that and so I was like I'm not gonna carry this rock anymore in my life and I decided to to let it down and let it go and that's when I Decided to live uh, in a van. Um, I apply for jobs, whatever make me uh, that that like I was interested in. It's like I was just following my passion and see where it led me. So instead of like applying for, it, I applied to work as a barista because I was interested in coffee and I was thinking maybe I would have a coffee shop, you know, and I would just try. And just be in solitude, and just be really in touch with myself. And I started to do a lot of meditation uh, during that as well. Like so, all this work is slowly the the healing process was slowly taking place because I didn't carry the stress anymore. Um, and I, whenever I go into nature, it was like. Uh, cleansing energy for my spirit somehow. And it's in a way it feels very addictive. And I was like, I don't want to be in this Yeah. So I so I started to write poem uh after about one year living in a van and I actually surprised myself. Never thought of myself being a creative person, you know, but slowly somehow that creativity came to me. And I think because of the, uh, the healing uh, process that was taking place at the time because I was staying more into solitude and I didn't have to. Um, and I, I don't know, it, it felt like taking back my, my right brain hemisphere. Taking back your taking back your power. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. most people,
0: most people will sit there and say, "I'm not creative." But the fact of the matter is, there's different ways to be creative. You don't have to be creative by writing mm-hmm. poetry or or painting a picture. You can be creative in your thinking, in the way you look at the world.
1: Mm-hmm. So you have to tap mm-hmm. into
0: your passion.
1: Exactly, exactly. So when when I started, just like to follow my passion, even though I didn't make any money at all, I actually lot happier i i was like i i i'm surviving you know first of all i wanted to survive because i wanted to go with my van life first it took me almost half a year to start getting comfortable with uh van life and i just expanded my travel and i eventually get a better job that i was really happy with uh that enough for me to survive in the van but when everything started to get comfortable I realized I wasn't I wasn't completely happy. Everything was working well for me. Uh, I really enjoyed my van life. I enjoyed my jobs. My friends I think in Vancouver for one and two and a half years everything worked the way that I wanted to be but I didn't get to thrive. I didn't get to um, find my purpose. I, I still didn't understand what it was, but in a way, I was working for companies so in that corporate life. How is it that much different than the U.S.? Maybe I enjoyed it and li- I like it better, but is it really wanted? Um, and when the pandemic happened, I decided I, I had to go again. I put myself on the blank slate and find a different direction. Um, and that's how it led me into writing my book uh, because I, I started to realize how everything on the journey that I've been on was actually the, the healing journey. And I had to get out of that job in order to set myself on a different because, uh. because otherwise I would just kind of like one foot in and one foot out. <laughs> right,
0: right, right.
1: <laughs> um, I, I know that some people, they, uh, they, they prefer to start a project while having a full-time job, but I wasn't able to do that. I wasn't able to focus. Like I, I felt like I was being yanked out of my comfort zone uh, in order to just to, to be on a different path. And because I had a very strong intuition at the time, I started to practice Reiki. I I feel sense of like the pull, like Mm -hmm. I had to get out of it. I had to leave Vancouver and I had to like travel and go to this side of Canada. Um, And a lot of synchronicity happened along the way and that's how I come to understand my... My life purpose, uh, and and the the spiritual concept of alchemy. So, if I didn't do that, uh, if if my job in Vancouver, I I don't think I would have gotten here.
0: <laughs> and if you're happier now, then that's what's important because a lot of times we do stuff that doesn't make us happy, and then we're kind of like, okay, what's next? So I
1: guess exactly, it. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. The tricky thing is like when you are at that comfortable spot, it's very hard to get out of it because everything is good, but it's not extraordinary. You know, as often we settle for less because it's come because going out of that comfort zone um, is scary because you mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you, you don't know. Make it, whether you're gonna fail or you're gonna succeed, so there's definitely a lot of views uh, that can arise.
0: Definitely I mean, for me,
1: like tra- traveling during pandemic was <laughs> like <Yeah>. another level. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, so, are you gonna write a second book, or was this just a one, one and done type deal for you?
1: I do have plan to have an I, I actually have several plans because uh, I'm also interested in coaching. I was when I was writing that book, it was actually for program, but the the idea for the coaching was completely different than what it would be now because uh, it was people with to who would be interested in living in a van. But my heart wasn't really set on it, you know to really understand uh, my spiritual journey that's what I really want to eventually coach people on how to go with these stages of alchemy because that's how we all grow um, is human and that's how we can contribute to the world and I think that when you get to the last stage of alchemy um you would like when you get to obtain on this this lessons and these enlightenments, you would have to share with all the people because it's freedom for just one person. If there's no freedom for the whole world, and that's my highest value, and that's my vision that I want to really, you know, because for me it's a Vietnamese citizen, like to travel around the world that wasn't really possible. And I had to really dig myself out of out of the hard work, in order to uh, to be the first world citizen, in order to obtain the freedom about the rest of the world, a lot of other people don't have that privilege. And to me, I think traveling is um, a way for you to gain uh, experience and connect cultures, and that's how we can we can have the peace uh, within the world when we get to. To be open-minded and get to understand each other, get to see how others live and that's how we we can um, uh, decrease discrimination and decrease the, the level of hatred because that was my experience when I travel. I get to see uh, so many phenomenal places and amazing people that really changed my mind, my perspective and, and my way of living influence and impact on me you know so I I find that to be a very privilege and uh, I I think it's my mission now to help the world to open up and that starts with helping people to find their freedom from if you don't have that freedom within you cannot have freedom in the external world as well so the more we can help people to find freedom and peace that's how we can build a better world. So uh, my plans is to have definitely more books in the future because my, the, the book that I recently published is not a complete journey of alchemy. I didn't put all the way to the end of the seventh stage of alchemy um, because I was only at the uh, conjunction stage I didn't want to complete everything because it's still a very long process of going through these stages. Um, So, But I can share whatever that I have already experienced because majority of us are in the first and the second stage of alchemy. So, uh, because we are still very stuck in that 3D way of thinking but um, materialistic paradigm. Um, and so if my next book, I would like to focus more on uh, the whole journey or the later journey of the alchemy, the half journey of the alchemy. So the conjunction stage is actually, it's called the lesser stone and the philosopher's stone is uh, all the way to the end of the the, the, the seventh stage of alchemy. But however, because alchemy is it can be very complex. You don't finish just one cycle. You just keep going and going and going even reach the last stage. So um it's not like your whole life is one one stage, what well, one cycle of alchemy, but these circles can be like uh can be as small as uh some challenges that day or or, uh, a period of time in your life so by understanding it you can still uh, in your life and have more awareness of where you are in the process right now in order to find solutions and get effective to get through of that stage and elevate yourself to the next level so that's the reason why I, I didn't for me to finish, complete the whole journey and write a book, but I could write wherever I was at the time, share my journey, and I can still help people that's behind me.
0: Well, it's an interesting journey, interesting story. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to to add?
1: Um, I think the only thing that I would add is just encourage your listener or viewers to really first start to understand your heart or your passion because your hearts really have the wisdom to know everything. And that's how I started. That's how it led me a different path and eventually being where I am right now, because I took that leap of faith to, uh, Listen to my heart and to uh, to follow it. To have the courage to follow that. So I th- it's the biggest lessons for me. The first lesson, but I, I also the biggest and the most important lessons for me. And I still use it uh, even until now to always make decisions by listening to my heart first. And that's where it led me to. I need to learn for my highest good to uh, to find the teachers or the healing modalities as is best moment as well. So that's that's all that we need to start and stop letting your left brain run your whole life. (laughs)
0: Let's let's start really
1: tuning to your heart.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Well, Vivi, I thank you for coming on. I appreciate you being here. Vivian touched on an important lesson that a lot of guests have talked about about following your passion, following your dreams. Sometimes we, you know, we know we need to have a place, we need to have our security needs met, we need to have our safety goals met. And that means having a house or a roof over our head, at least, food, transportation if possible, something that gives us security. But sometimes When we have to have that security, we're taking a job that is soul sucking and we lose our passion. We lose our creativity. She didn't even know she was creative. I'm sure you picked up on that. And once she discovered a book that inspired her, she finally tapped into her creativity and she, she realized, Hey, I have nothing to lose. So I'm going to follow my dreams. And sometimes when we get to that point where we have nothing to lose, we take that leap of faith. And that's why they call the tarot thing, while some people call it the hero's journey, others call it the fool's journey because the very first card in tarot is the fool. And you're about to take a leap of faith. And where will you go and where will you land? No one knows. You're just beginning the journey. So on that note, this has been a long and interesting journey for me with all the podcasts and I still am enjoying doing it. But if you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the show, please email me at Donna D-A-U-N-A at bettertupodcast.com. That's Donna at bettertupodcast.com. You can catch up on all the shows at bettertopodcast.com You can Google that even. And all our social media links are there as well. So if you want to follow us on social media, you can do that there. We um, we will be making some changes as we go and You know, this is part of season five, and season five, we are getting serious. We are getting more serious than we've ever been in following the passion of the show. So stick with us, you know, and if you want to give us feedback of some of the changes we've made, let us know. Let us know if you think it's working. And if it's not, please tell us, because we want to improve the show. We want to give you quality, and we want you to enjoy it. So until then... Until the next episode, I guess, enjoy your day, evening, weekend, whenever. And I'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. The Better Two Podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Rich Zai of Third Ear Audio Productions.